Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 56 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio and I'm glad that you're listening. Well, the grand final ended about 16 hours ago and unlike most viewers of the game, I have yet to have the opportunity to sleep on the outcome of the game. As most of you know, four years ago I made the decision to become a cat supporter and uh, I'd be lying if I told you that I wasn't a little disappointed in the outcome of the game last night, but there were 16 other teams in the competition that wish that the Cats had would trade places with them, that their team was playing in the grand final rather than the Cats. So while the outcome was not what Cat supporters had wished, we played in the grand final and 16 other clubs did not. So we have that going for us. We have to take that and hold that close to us as we go into the offseason now and uh, prepare for the 2021 season, which will be here before we know it, as we get through our long, cold winter here in the state of Ohio as you roll into uh, the summertime and hopefully get to utilize some of that that summertime and do outside activities and that sort of thing. I know there was a uh, an announcement made in Victoria today with the uh, with the leadership of the state I haven't read up on it all that much yet, but it doesn't sound like there are too many people that are terribly happy with what had gone on. So, before I dive into the uh, the grand final, I wanted to start out uh, by giving a big shout-out of thanks to several CAT supporters. Actually, about 25 hours ago now, and I've had about three hours sleep in the last uh, almost two days, so I'm kind of running on fumes as I'm getting ready to, to record this right now. But last night at 11 o'clock my time in the evening, I was able to join in on a Zoom call with about a half dozen cat supporters from a Facebook page called At Home and Far Away. And uh, these are folks that uh, I got to spend about two hours with during you know what I was going to call my pregame before the game. Because after I talked to them for a couple of hours, I did step away from social media and go to sleep until from about 1.15 until about 4.20 yesterday morning. So I, I woke up just a few minutes before the game started and got my cup of coffee going and and uh, and went from there. But it was great to chat with and to talk with Lisa and with Marty and with Kelly and Ken, as well as Jamie and Dave. And Dave and I have done a, uh, a swag exchange between the Cleveland sports teams and the Cats. So it was great to talk to him. Uh, these folks several years ago opened, you know, welcomed me with open arms as a cat supporter. And it was absolutely wonderful to get the chance to talk to them in, in person, if you will. You know, I teach school and here in the States, we spent quite a bit of time in the, uh, latter part of our last school year, which ended in June doing online lessons with the students. And at that point in time, we were using Google uh, Google Hangout, I believe it was. But we've been preparing, should we have to go out of school again and, and go to online lessons again, to utilize the, the Zoom program. And I use that for a couple of interviews that I have done recently. Um, actually, last week's episode, when I brought on uh, both Rick and Frode, I used... Uh, the zoom app on that. And I was pretty pleased with how it turned out. So, you know, I, I cannot thank the six of them 
uh, for inviting me on and, uh, like I said, making me feel at home, even though I'm 15,000 kilometers away. It was a great chat. It was, it was fun to talk to them about, you know, the preparation of the game, you know, the grand final, what it was going to be like. We went through what our predictions for the game were going to be. We all got it wrong. Uh, but, uh, but it was great to, you know, to talk about what it was, what it means to be a cat supporter. And, you know, as some of you have commented and I, and I try my best to talk about all of the different clubs on this podcast, it was a, uh, you know, this was a, this, this little introduction here is kind of cat centric because they were one of the two clubs that were playing. And like I said, it was great to talk to these individuals and I'm thrilled that they gave me the opportunity to do that. I hope to talk to them again, uh, even as we get into the trade period going on. Uh, several of these folks I would love to have on for uh, interviews on the podcast, as well as, quite frankly, many of you who are listening as well. So hopefully you'll consider reaching out to me as far as that goes. But, you know, digging into the game itself, it be- began, let's be honest, it began pretty much very violently. The collision uh, between Nick Vlaston and uh, Patty Dangerfield was an ugly collision. It was devastating, and Vlaston missed basically three and a half quarters of the game due to the concussion that he suffered. And, you know, you had uh, Gary Ablett go down and what looks like a dislocation of his shoulder. But, you know, it being his last game, you know, I I, I wasn't shocked to see him try to, to gut it out and get it strapped back into place to allow him to finish the game on his terms. And I'm going to talk more about Gary Ablett here before this episode is up. But, you know, deep down, and, and again, I'm I'm not somebody who would ever wish an injury for a player on an opposing team or anything of that nature. I that, that to me that's just the wrong thing to do. It's, if you're if you're wishing somebody be injured, find another hobby. Stop watching sports. Okay. It's uh I, in the back of my mind, though, I thought for just you know a split second that this could very easily help the Cats throughout the rest of this contest because it's gonna it was gonna put them the Tigers down a man in their rotation and somebody who was a a great defender and my hope was and my thought was that this is gonna give Tom Hawkins a uh, an opportunity to to possibly you know run with a little bit more free will in the forward 50 and hopefully take, you know, a couple more, couple additional marks, that sort of thing. And hopefully allow this Coleman medalist to, to, to just go off and kick a whole bunch of goals. Well, we know now that didn't happen. The Tigers, they managed to keep him pretty much under wraps for the entire game. He hardly touched the ball. Patty Dangerfield, truthfully, hardly touched the ball. If I'm not mistaken, Dangerfield had, I believe, only a dozen disposals for the game. Yeah, he had a dozen, and Tom Hawkins had 10 disposals for the game. You know, two goals, three between the two of them, and that was with Dangerfield spending as much time as he did in the in the forward 50, which I'm going to get into here in a little bit as well. Yeah, so, yes, I'm disappointed as a Cat supporter, but I can't do anything more than just tip my cap to Richmond. They played a phenomenal defensive game, and they... they took advantage of, of opportunities when they came about, especially in the second half. And they, they, they kept you long in check for the entire second half, seemingly, and expanded that lead and 
they did something for the third time in four years that, you know, a lot of a lot of clubs would hope to have happen on their for their club as well. And you know, it was kind of interesting that uh, I ran across a uh, an article and I saw a couple of other people uh, post this, and I'm going to link to the article in the um, show notes. But it was an article that was posted about um, Brennan Gale, the CEO of the Tigers, back in 2010, who put together his uh, winning together launch. And it was uh, where he was wanting to have the, you know, it, over the next decade, the goals for the club. And it's, it was pretty prophetic and quite frank, not, not pathetic, but prophetic. He was, he was kind of a prophet like there that he put forth these goals of uh, having 75,000 members, which I believe they've exceeded that, then having, you know, no debt. And from what it, I was reading in this, that, that they had a considerable amount of debt in 2010 of like, I believe they said well over a million dollars. It might've been more than that. And then also having won three premierships. And I have to tell you folks, you know, even if you are not a Richmond supporter and from what I have seen and heard from a number of fans of other clubs that Richmond supporters have seemingly come out of the woodwork since they became relevant again, where they had gone through, you know, a generation and a half without having won a premiership. And now they've won three out of the last four. And suddenly there are lots and lots of people who've decided to become Richmond supporters. And and I can't begrudge people for that sort of thing. You want to, you want to support a successful team. Okay. It's not too dissimilar from here in the States where you had so many people who became New England Patriots supporters. Or me being a Cleveland sports fan, it really hurts my heart to see how many people that live around the Cleveland area that have become or have for a long time been Pittsburgh Steelers fans, which interestingly enough or sadly enough, the team colors of Richmond and Pittsburgh are identical. So that, that was a little bit of a bitter pill for me to swallow this weekend uh, with this game because I'm, you know, while I respect the Steelers, I'm not a Steelers fan at all. But it was, uh, it was a great grand final. It was close. You know, the, the Tigers scored a couple of goals late in the contest when it was well, when it had, was already well in hand. So there was not a, uh, you know, it was a 31 point differential, but I don't think that it was really that big of, you know, a difference between the clubs. Yeah, the, the, you know, the Cats really struggled to score in the second half, but, uh, but they, the, I think the score made the game seem further out of reach than it was. Um, you know, going into the beginning of the game, you know, the Cats had built up a 22-point uh, lead in the second quarter, but the, the Tigers were able to cut back on it or cut into it a little bit before halftime. And they came out in the third quarter and, you know, I think, you know, even cat supporters would have to argue and would admit they played almost a perfect half of footy. I mean, they were, it was amazing, you know, between the half, you know, more, if having more than a half a day between the final horn of the game and when I'm recording this, you know, I'm, I'm quite frankly, I'm in awe of what they did in the second half and the second half of the grand final, it reinforced what I thought was the case all along. And, you know, the Tigers, they may not have the biggest group of superstars on their club. They've got Dusty Martin, okay? Jack Rewalt's a pretty good player. Trent Cotchin's a pretty good player. They don't have a whole lot of superstars. They might not even have the most talent 
of a club in the competition. And Tigers fans, hear me out before you start writing hate mail, hate mail to me here. But what I think that they have done is over these last, you know, four years where they've been competing for and winning three premierships, they have played more as a team than any other team in the competition. Okay? They are, they basically operate as a machine. And I think I even referenced this in a previous episode that they they kind of remind me of the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator from the first Terminator film, that they're just, you know, they, they've got a goal ahead of them. We're going to go accomplish this, and, and we're just going to go straight ahead, right through things, and uh, and we're going to go get our goal accomplished. And it's impressive because, again, like I said, they may, not be, they may not have the most talent, but they play together better than any team I've seen in pretty much any sport. So they're to be commended for that. So Richmond Tigers... Absolutely, congratulations on this championship. You certainly earned it, and and I, you know, I, what I really meant to mention here is that 17 of the 18 players were were out there like a well-oiled machine. Okay, yeah, 17 out of the 18 because uh, lurking around the grounds was a uh, soon-to-be three-time Norm Smith medalist, Dusty Martin, and he was absolutely phenomenal last night. Yeah, he had 21 disposals, which is you know is a decent amount, but you know, it was still you know, there were th- three or four more players on the uh, Tigers that had more disposal, but he kicked four goals as well. And to me, he, he reminded me, and this is maybe a uh, a strange analogy here because maybe it's me being tired and I'm trying to record this before I head off to bed. But Dusty reminded me a little bit last night, almost like a jump scare that you would see in a horror movie which, you know, let's be honest, as a cat supporter, that's what the second half was anyway. It was a horror film. Um, you know, the play's going on. You've got people that are trying to move the ball out of the... You know, cats are trying to get the ball out of the defensive 50, or the Tigers are trying to move it into the forward 50. And all of a sudden, bam, Dusty would strike when the ball was loose on the ground, or he would, you know, take a... Uh, you know, he would take a, uh, a disposal from somebody that nobody saw coming. And like I said, bam he'd score almost instantaneously. And it was it was phenomenal to watch. And it was when, you know, the Cats were least expecting him to do it. And again, I'm not sure if the Cats were actually trying to tag him last night or if they, you know, they did attempt to do it, but uh, they weren't very successful of it if that's what they were trying to do. Because he was all over the ground last night and he, uh, he, he was phenomenal. And it, this, you know, the Norm Smith trophy was certainly richly deserved for him last night you know and uh he's kind of, he's a transcendent player it's uh it's as much as it pains me to say it he's a hell of a lot of fun to watch play and from everything that i have heard about him he's very reserved in his his personal life and that sort of thing but as a sports fan, it was great to see his emotion come forth during the course of the game. And uh, you know, as much as it hurts me as a cat supporter to see that happen, it was great to see him play the way he did and help to pick up his team the way he did. You know, and and you know, I, I talked to somebody uh, online. I was trading messages on uh, Messenger during the fourth quarter, and this was a cat supporter who I've spoken to a lot over the last couple of years, and he lives on Russell Island near Brisbane. And he referred to Dusty as what he called being the game's supreme opportunist. 
And I thought that I don't think you can come up with a better description of him or a better compliment because he was, you know, he's somebody that is able to create something when there's nothing. And there aren't a lot of players that can do that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, there aren't very many. Eddie Betts can do that a little bit. He's done that quite a bit throughout his career. But for the most part, there are not a lot of players that are able to do what it is that he does. And, uh, yeah, he does things that supporters of the other 17 clubs wish they had players doing the same thing for for them. We, yeah, we've seen a few fleeting glimpses of that sort of thing in 2020. Um, yeah, I think with the Bombers, you, you might see Irving Mosquito fill that role a little bit. We saw a couple of instances with his blazing speed before his knee injury that that could possibly come along and, and change the game with his just raw speed and being able to just outrun his opponents. And the other player that, that came to mind to me, who we saw a little bit of this with him during the regular season, now he didn't play finals this year, was Isaac Rankin. And he was, you know, he was somebody who was making these tremendously acrobatic or dazzling plays. And, and I remember some of the commentators during the course of the season saying that that's all fine and dandy that he does that, but he also needs to remember that he can also make the routine plays look routine rather than trying to make the routine plays look like the dazzling plays. You know, do, do what you need to do when you have the time to do it. Take the time to to take the set shot or to, you know, to to uh, dispose of the ball in, you know, in the most effective possible way to do so. You know, so it's, uh, it was great watching Dusty play. And uh, it's, like I said, as much as it pains me as a footy fan, he was phenomenal last night. So, you know, Tiger supporters, congratulations on that. Now, you know, I said in a recent episode, and it might even have been the one last week that, you know, I, I don't know anywhere near as much about the game as most of you who were listening and it certainly isn't my place to uh, to second-guess Chris Scott, but I've seen an awful lot of discussion in the media, in the print media, online, as well as in on social media, where people were saying that the Cats might have missed an opportunity to stop the hemorrhaging that was going on in the midfield during the third quarter by getting Patty Dangerfield back into the midfield. Yeah, Cam Guthrie had a pretty good game. Joel Selwood had a pretty good game. But they were missing that guy who was normally not afraid of sticking his nose in there and getting the ball out of the midfield and getting it headed towards our forward 50. Now, sure, yes, it would cost having him in the forward 50 with the possibility of being able to score, which might then lead to even more um, people being devoted to Tom Hawkins in the forward 50. But let's be honest, even having Patty Dangerfield in the forward 50 did not get the ball to Tom Hawkins any more than I think they otherwise would have because the Tigers did such a fantastic job of gaining control on the ball after the, uh, after the bounce and, and getting it moving towards their 50 just that, that much more quickly. So yeah, maybe things would have uh, gone a little better for the Cats in the second half if, uh, if Dangerfield had come out of the forward 50 and played in the midfield. I don't know. That's uh, it's water under a bridge. We can't fix that. 
It's in the past. It's something that people can speculate and talk about all during the, the, the summer months uh, as cricket season is going on and, and say, hey, here's what might have been had this occurred. But, you know, I guess looking at it from the other standpoint, you know, having having um, Dangerfield back in the midfield, I don't know what the Cats would have done in terms of being able to score anyway because, you know, Gary Rowan was, you know, let's be honest, he was almost non-existent in this contest last night. He had five disposals. That's it. He was pretty much a non-factor. And uh, I think that that might help to exacerbate or contribute to the Cats it being necessary for them to bring in Jeremy Cameron to be able to play in the 50 complementary to Tom Hawkins to make it, you know, more difficult for teams to defend the Cats when they get the ball inside 50 because they'd have two, you know, potential, you know, they've got two, they would have two former Coleman medalists. Let's, Let's be honest. So, Pick your poison. Who are you going to double team? Who are you going to defend? Because guess what? If you don't defend this guy, that's who the ball is going to go to. You double you double team Cameron, the ball is going to go to Hawkins. You double team Hawkins, the ball is going to go to Cameron. So hopefully that, that bodes well for the Cats next year, and it's just going to be amazing to see what happens as far as the the trade period in terms of what the, the Cats end up having to, uh, to give up in order to acquire him. Yeah, so it's... The trade period is still something that, you know, I, I've followed it for the last few years. But it still is amazing, the just the amount of power that the players hold when it comes to trades. You know, it, in Major League Baseball, for example, players will quite often get, and I know I talked about this in an episode way back when the podcast began, uh, that baseball players sometimes, if they've been in the league for a long period of time, can have a no-trade clause as part of their contract. Or if they've played in the league for 10 years and they've been with their club for, I believe, five years, they can refuse a trade to another club if they want to stay where they are. Or sometimes in some of the higher dollar contracts, they might be able to write into their contract that I re- you know, I might have a full no trade clause. You cannot trade me to another team unless I say it's okay. And if you do do decide to trade me and I say it's okay, you're going to have to raise the dollar value of my, of my contract at the same time. So, and then sometimes you can have a limited no trade clause where you might say, well, I don't want to be traded to teams X, Y, and Z because of whatever reason. And then the, your club would not be able to send you there. So we shall see. Now, I, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, take a couple of moments to to reflect on, you know, and I and everybody, you know who I'm going to be referring here to, to here. And uh, if I didn't wish Gary Ablett Jr. all of the best in his retirement from the game, you know, I only saw him in a catch jumper for three years. And, you know, I saw him my first year following the game, playing with the Suns. I, at that point in time, I had no idea that he had previously played for Geelong until somebody had pointed that out. That's when I was still learning about Gary Ablett Sr. and 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 other players from that generation as I'm still trying to learn. But, you know, it was easy to see what made him one of the comp's best players over the last generation and what made him an absolute fan favorite. He, one, it's his, his infectious smile out on the ground 
where he just he looked so at home out playing the game. You know, the smile would be there even while the contest was going on. And, you know, it's sad to see him go down with the shoulder injury so early in the first quarter. But are any of you who are footy fans shocked to see him come back out and play the last three quarters of the game? I, I was I was really worried that that was going to be the moment where his career was over. But it was amazing that uh, that they were able to get him patched up enough to get him back out on the ground to try to finish up the game. And you could tell he was in terrible pain. Um, they had reported that he had taken like cortisone shots or painkiller shots, that sort of thing in his shoulder as they strapped it up. So he was gutting out those last three quarters, trying to, con- to contribute wherever he possibly could. And, uh, you know, Gaz, I only been following the game for a while, but thank you, sir. So very much for this great run with your career it's evident that you are one of the greatest players to ever play the game and footy fans owe you a debt of gratitude for the entertainment that you've provided for the last, what is it? 19 years. I believe that you played. Um, absolutely fascinating that that's the case, sir. You're an absolute ripper and you are most assuredly going to be missed not only by cat supporters, but, but by every footy fan. So it's it's sad to see you go, but it is completely understandable the decision that you've made. And I want to take it upon myself to wish you and your family the absolute best in the future. It's been an absolute pleasure to watch you. And uh, the Cats are going to be hard-pressed to fill your spot in the lineup for next year. It's going to be interesting to see what it is that they do. Now, over the next couple of weeks, ladies and gentlemen, I do plan on devoting uh, time during the episodes, uh, looking at the trade period, uh, trying to learn a little bit about about it myself, a little more about it, I should say, uh, and trying to figure out how teams are going to go about trying to improve their list, whether that's by bringing in new draft capital or bringing in new players. And it's it to me it still is amazing and and maybe this will get answered in the next couple of days now that the the excitement of the grand final is wrapping up and i know there's that argument out there right now about whether or not to uh to play the grand final in the daytime or in the evening for me i kind of liked it where it was on Saturday night because that, that made it a 4.30 start time for me. And I'm normally up at about 4.45 in the morning to go to work. So this worked out well for me. But again, let's be honest, I am not the target audience that they're looking to to try to impress, that they're trying to say, hey, what is it, what do the fan base in Ohio want to have happen? We don't matter in the decision. Yes, there are a lot of American fans of the game, and I saw a lot of American fans discussing what they would like to see happen with the grand final, but we don't count as far as that decision-making process. Sure. We can give you our opinion, but we don't matter. So, you know, the, the afternoon grand final, if you will, the twilight one, if the game was to begin at say four o'clock in the afternoon, that's a, I think a one o'clock in the morning start time for me. So that would, that requires me staying up straight through, 
And if I'm not mistaken, last year during the the uh, Richmond and GWS game, I actually, if I remember, I dozed off for a few minutes in the fourth quarter of the game, which, let's be honest, I'm sure there were several of us that did that in that contest. So, you know, I, I kind of like the idea of the nighttime grand final, and maybe now that they saw the what they did at halftime, if they're going to try to emulate the Super Bowl, which, again, I'm not a big fan of the Super Bowl entertainment where you try to take this musician and this band and put them in a blender and come up with a performance. Sometimes those are way too forced. I wish they would just use some college marching bands or something of that nature to perform at halftime and leave it at that, but they always want to have the big spectacle. But like I said, I'll be digging into the uh, the trade period. Um, I'm also going to be reaching out to people and uh, begin to set up some interviews uh, to, to have people, to have guests onto the podcast to talk to them about the 2020 season, looking ahead to 2021, their viewpoint on the game, their history with the game, that type of thing. So, yeah, I... Uh, I'm really excited about that aspect of things. You know, the games are over for now. The AFLW will hopefully be hopefully be starting up here very soon. You know, we'll we'll see what happens with regard to the hubs. Um, I don't know how this is going to work with the AFL with the AFLW. If they have to go into the hubs, the cost involved in doing that when they're already not generating a great deal of revenue with the AFLW, I hope the season is able to happen. Okay. I really do. I, it, it's a fun game to watch it. Uh, every year that I've been watching it, the, the, the talent pool has grown in terms of the players that are in the competition, but then also the skill sets have grown as well. So I'm looking forward to the season starting in the AFLW and, uh, and seeing what happens this year and hoping that they get to complete the season. So, as I wrap up, ladies and gentlemen, I, I want to remind you that if you'd like to sign up for the mailing list that I have, you can uh, you can get uh, each new episode sent to you directly in your email as soon as it comes out. That's the first place that I put the uh, new episode once it is published. So if you'd like to sign up, there's a link in the show notes. I'd love to add you to the list. I think I've got about 25 people signed up right now. If you've got an idea for a show topic or if you know someone that you think should come on the podcast as a guest, or maybe that's you, please feel to drop me a DM on Twitter or to shoot me an email or send me a note on Messenger. I would absolutely love to hear from you. And don't forget that you can find all of the episodes of the podcast at a yankonthefooty.podbean.com. You can also find it on your favorite podcast provider. It's also available on my YouTube channel. Just search out my name, Craig Wessels, on YouTube. You can find all of the episodes that I have posted thus far there. And now that you've listened, I hope that you'll uh, consider giving me a review on Apple Podcasts. It lets me know what I've, uh, what I've done well, what I need to work on. It's a great opportunity for me to get some some feedback. And you can also, you know, email me, if you will. But I'd love that. You know, I'd love it if you could give me a review there as well, if you feel that I'm worthy of that. Because like I said, it lets Apple know that, hey, somebody likes this podcast and uh, maybe we should bump it up a little bit and have it show up on people's screens as a possible possible choice to listen to without people having to search for it. So I truly would appreciate that if you would consider doing that. And, you know, I'm coming up on the one-year anniversary of the podcast, which, quite frankly, is mind-boggling. That's in the end of December. 
and I have a goal right now of of hopefully getting to ten thousand downloads, and I'm I'm coming up on eighty seven hundred at this point in time. So I have about thirteen hundred downloads of the podcast to go between now and the one year anniversary, which is which is a goal I'm hoping to reach. I did want to also mention that I have uh, several uh, new designs for uh, some graphics for the podcast that uh, I'm going to be introducing here very soon uh hopefully in the next uh, couple of weeks so some some swag that's going to be out there whether it be like t-shirts or stickers or that sort of thing that i'll be able to put links to that sort of stuff in the show notes if you're interested at all in those types of uh items um i'm looking at places that actually produce the materials in the areas where most of the people are listening to the podcast and there are a couple of companies that will produce products not just in the United States, but like in the U.S., but then also in Australia. And uh, they have locations where they, they manufacture these things and, and ship them out from pretty much every continent on the planet. Okay, so I'm looking forward to getting that stuff out there and letting you take a look at it and see if it's something that you're interested in. Um, don't forget that you can reach me at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. You can also reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter and on Facebook and Instagram at a yank on the footy. And before I wrap up tonight, I'd like to thank Mr. Joseph McDade for the use of a couple of pieces of music. He's created some fantastic music. I'm using the pieces Elevation and Backplate. You can find him at josephmcdade.com music, and you can also find him on Spotify. And I imagine he's on uh, Apple Music as well. And again, Mr. McDade, thanks a lot for your music. Um, ladies and gents, I want to thank you for listening. Because while we're fans of, of our teams, deep down we're fans of the game that we all love, and that's the game of footy. And a, the 2020 season is now officially done. It's over. There's no more live footy for a few months. It's now on to the, the trade period and then the draft on December the 7th. So I still plan on coming to you at least every week with... Uh, my views on things and also some interviews because I, like I said, I want to learn about the game from other people as well. So for those of you who uh, had been watching the games here in the U S or in Canada, don't forget that Australian rules football. It's why they invented the DVR. And again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so very much for, uh, for tuning in and listening. I ask that you consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family, whether it be word of mouth or sending them a link to the podcast in messenger. And ladies and gentlemen, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I'll catch you later. This has been episode number 56 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on or at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and on Facebook at A Yank on the Footy. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. I hope you'll consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family. And until next time, goodbye.